Well, I think summer has arrived. How many of you are glad about that? <laughs> four, four of you? That's awesome. Well, I'm happy. It's my favorite season of the year, uh, and uh, but I do think we've hit the heat finally. Uh, how many of you going on vacation this summer somewhere? Anybody going? I, I, let me just ask you this. In just a minute, turn to your neighbor. If money was no object, money was no object, where would you go on vacation this summer? All right? Money, no object. Tell the person next to you. Where would you go on vacation? All right, did anybody come up with someplace exotic? What are, what, are some of the, what are some of the places you said? Israel. Okay, cool. Guam. Guam. <laughs> awesome. That's great. That's good. Enjoy that. Cleveland. Yeah. Amen. Pittsburgh. How many of you said, no, no way. Not going to Pittsburgh this year. Just kidding. Steelers fans, uh, unite. <laughs> well, hey. Do me a favor and finish this sentence. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Now, we're going to talk about that today. And what that means is that you may have good intentions but no execution. You think about things, but you don't actually get them done. And we all have this. We all have ideas or hopes or plans or dreams that someday we'd like to go do this or be in this place or accomplish this. Uh, and yet, maybe it doesn't happen. And I would venture to say that everyone here has some kind of a good intention, some kind of a worthwhile dream that you have, have yet to follow through on. And why haven't you? Sometimes we're waiting for the right moment or waiting until we have the, a little more information. We're waiting until we have a little more money or a little more time or a little more self-discipline or we have fewer problems. Most people find themselves waiting for a better today day to do what they should be doing today. And these are good intentions. These intentions will make your life better, more productive, more effective, more exciting, more meaningful, more fulfilling. Doing these plans will help kickstart your life into overdrive, but you're waiting. Now, there is a healthy waiting and there's an unhealthy waiting. A healthy waiting is what Josh talked about last week. It's finding balance in your life. It's time for reflection and renewal. That's good. What we're talking about today is unhealthy waiting, and we call that what? Procrastination. And every person I know at some point or another struggles with procrastination in some form or fashion. It is the biggest thief you ever fall victim to because it prevents you from being today what you could be. Proverbs 24 or 14:23 says, "All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty." In other words, if you just talk about a good game, you just talk about things you want to do but you never accomplish it, that's going to lead to poverty. But when you actually uh, plan it and do it, it leads to profit. And there are people out there that you know and I know that have done that very thing. Now, we're in the fourth week of a series called Momentum, and this is really talking about how do you live your life in such a way that you find balance, and yet also you're at maximum performance. And it's often the hardest step in realizing a dream is actually just beginning that dream, not just thinking about it, but doing it. Every college student faces this every semester. You've got a term paper to write. You've known about it since day one, but when do you start? A lot of people start the night before the term paper is due. Or if you're really organized, two days before the paper is due, and you think you're really accomplishing something. Same goes for midterms and finals. Every day you tell yourself, i got to get started soon. I need to study for that test, but you got so many other things to do, and you tell yourself, that's okay. I work better under pressure. And then you spend the last few hours scrambling to get everything done. 
And uh, I did that in college. I was back in the day, this is actually the case, where um, there were computers that existed. I just didn't have one. How many know what I'm talking about, all right? So my first two years of college, uh, my papers all through high school and the first two years of college, I hand wrote those papers or I laboriously worked on a typewriter and stuck in a little you know, the little whiteout stuff and re-clicked over it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Those of you who were born after 1980 are like, I have no idea what he's saying. But this is absolutely the truth, guys. This is how you used to have to write papers. You would actually have to type them with a typewriter. Or if you were me, I would handwrite them at the last possible second and pay some girl on campus 15 bucks to type my paper. And uh, in my paper, my grades, my first year of college were not great. But they went astronomically higher when I finally had access to a computer. And there was a guy on campus that had a house. He was an adult, and he had a computer in there. I got to know him. He's like, hey, come write your paper here. And my grades got much better when I could edit my own papers, and I could work them on computer, and uh, I became a much better student. But those of you who wait till the last minute, you know what I'm talking about. And sometimes it goes from your college life to your professional life. Anybody ever done your taxes on April 14th? Anybody ever done them on April 15th? Anybody ever had to file an extension? You're like, well, just, just give me till October, man. That's all I need. The cool thing is now you don't even have to run to the post office by 5 or 6. You can just do it online, and you get till midnight. Not Eastern Standard Time. You get till midnight Pacific Standard Time, and you can even get a few more hours. I only know that because it's just hypothetical. Somebody told me one time that that is how you can do it, but... But this is what people do. They procrastinate. And it's not just the big things. It's the little things. They don't send birthday cards out on time or get around to using their gift cards, and so they expire. They miss the best prices on airline tickets. They do most of their Christmas shopping on Christmas Eve. Procrastination has become a, a way of life. And this takes your, a toll on your health. It causes more worry and stress. A study at the University of Chicago showed that college students who procrastinate have more symptoms of cold, flu, stomach problems, and insomnia. And they also discovered that procrastination leads to those who abuse alcohol more often. Procrastination puts stress on relationships because those you work around, when you procrastinate, it puts more pressure on them because they have to carry your slack. Now, I've never met a procrastinator who didn't have good intentions. And when I procrastinate, it's not because I don't want to do a good job or because I don't want to do the right thing. It's because we allow ourselves to believe that maybe tomorrow will be easier. Maybe tomorrow I'll feel more like doing this. Maybe tomorrow I'll get my life in order and get myself organized. The problem is tomorrow has enough problems of its own. Tomorrow has a whole other list of things that you have to do. Psychologist Dennis Waitley talks about living in a place called Someday Isle in his book, The Seeds of Greatness. And he includes a poem on this idea of someday I'll do this, someday I'll do this. And he says the problem with someday I'll is you never actually get off of that island. And so this problem, what I, this morning what I want to talk about is how to turn your someday into today. How to stop procrastinating, how to really have momentum in your life. Doing what Josh talked about last week, reflecting, renewal, but then getting going, getting started. Here's some things you need to do. It's real practical. Number one, take a small step today. And the reason for that is tomorrow never comes. A lot of times we think tomorrow I'll be more prepared. I'll be more up to the challenge emotionally. I'll have more energy, but it never works that way. The next day finds us saying the same things. Tomorrow I'll be better. So let me encourage you. Whatever it is that you've been putting off, get started today. Take that first step, even if it's a small one. A small step today is better than a big step tomorrow. Tomorrow. 
Proverbs 27.1 says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. You don't know what, what's going to happen tomorrow. You have no idea. So get started today. A walk around the block today is better than a five-mile run that you never take tomorrow. A, a skip dessert today is better than that radical new diet that you'll never start tomorrow. Five minutes spent in prayer today is better than an hour of prayer that you will not get to tomorrow. Take a step today. You say, I'm going to start it today. I love the verse in Proverbs 24. It's one of my favorite passages. It says, I went past the field of a sluggard, past the vineyard of someone who has no sense. Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds and the stone wall was in ruins. Some of you are like, hey, that's my backyard. <laughs> it says, I applied my heart to what I observed and I learned a lesson from what I saw. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a bandit and scarcity like an armed man. Poverty will come on you like a bandit. It will come and rob from you. Why? Because you put it off. You put it off. I almost made one of my points today. I was joking with some of the guys after the service. I said, if you don't want to procrastinate, just marry somebody named Lisa. Amen? And then you won't procrastinate. We worked all day yesterday in the yard. It's hot outside. We're working all day. We're mowing. We're painting a shed. We're getting ready for a party that we're having tomorrow. It's like task after task. Plant these things. Move this small. So I get inside. It's like 530 at night. We've been in the heat all day. And Lisa's like, you see that hole up? We used to have a light in our ceiling. It's way up there like this, and there's a hole there where that light used to be. It's been there for ever since we moved into the house two years ago. And, uh, and she said, I really want that hole done. You know I really want that hole done. I said, hey, just let me sit down for like 10 minutes. Just 10 minutes. Just 10 minutes. She's like, okay, but I've been waiting for two years. I'm like, I go get the ladder, man. I'm like, okay, I'll get it right now. And I get that thing done, doggone it. This, that's one principle you guys just need to do. Just call Lisa. She'll tell you to get your stuff done. Get it in order. Proverbs says, don't be like that. Poverty will come in you like a bandit, scarcely like an armed man. One of the things that keeps us from being effective today is perfectionism. We tend to procrastinate because we want to do things perfectly. It's not that we don't want to write that term paper. It's just we want to write a term paper that the professor will be talking about years from now. It's not that we don't want to do that job. We just want to do a really excellent job. But the problem is procrastination often keeps us from getting started at all. We just put it off a little bit longer. We'll say, tomorrow I'll be in a better frame of mind. Tomorrow I'll really be in the zone. Guys, don't let perfectionism lure you into the habit of procrastination. In fact, if you want to procrastinate, why not just put off the tendency toward perfectionism? I saw a t-shirt that said one time, I'm just going to procrastinate later. If you're going to get good at something, procrastinate later. Just say, I'm not going to procrastinate today. Maybe I'll procrastinate later, and I'll actually get my job done today. Perfectionism. It's tempting to put things off. If you say, well, I'll just uh, do it tomorrow, I'll be better. But Ecclesiastes 11.4 says, whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. In other words, if you're just standing out there waiting for the perfect weather, the perfect day, the perfect everything, you'll never get started today. You'll keep putting off and wait. Don't wait for the perfect opportunity. Start today. One leader encourages his team to make a 10-minute commitment. He said when he's tempted to procrastinate in any project, prepare for any meeting or devote time to his family or whatever it is, he makes a 10-minute commitment. Maybe he doesn't feel like doing it, but he says, I'm going to start and just do it for 10 minutes. And if I'm not into it after 10 minutes, okay. He said, but more times than not, what happens is I do it for 10 minutes, 
And now I've gained enough momentum and initiative and inertia to get the job done. Take a small step today. Number two, set some self-imposed deadlines. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. There's a time. Right now, you set that time. The government sets a time for us. April 15th, get your taxes done. But I think it's good to set self-imposed deadlines. Instead of saying, I'll do it sometime, actually establish a date and a time and give yourself some space. But once you get into that habit, it will really help you. Uh, last summer, Josh really got started writing our book. We've been talking about it for a while. And, and so I was doing a lot of traveling last summer, a lot of different things. And so I didn't get started then. And he was really writing really hard. He'd call me and say, oh, I got another chapter done. I would go, okay, great, good for you. you know, and I'd be like, oh, man, i got to get on that. So we started writing every Wednesday. And, and uh, so I've been behind the whole time. And, uh, but I told him in the middle of April, I said, hey, I'm going to get this thing done by the end of April, or I'm paying you 50 bucks. I paid my own, I put my own incentive on it. He immediately goes, great, good, I'll take that deal, because he wins either way. The book's either done or he gets 50 bucks, whichever way it was. Well, I got it done, I got my part done, and then I started editing, and I read one of his chapters, and I was like, this is garbage. I like told him, I'm like, you need to work on this again. He went back, had to rewrite that whole chapter. I'm like, see, I finished before you did, there you go, hey. I'm just kidding, it wasn't really garbage, it was actually pretty good, but he still changed it a lot, and, uh, and uh, that was good. But here's the deal. Setting those timelines helps us because, and I do this a lot in my life, I, I set little deadlines all the time that help me get things done. Part of that's because I'm impatient. Like at red lights, I do this. I count down at every red light I ever go to, at least if it's like, you know, any length of time at all. helps me to kind of stay in the game. I might count down. I try to guess, right? I'll try to guess. I'll allow. I'll say 21, 20, 19. So I'm pretty good at it, actually. And, uh, and somebody will ask me, well, what happens, like, if you miss it? I go, like, I started, I started to analyze. I'm like, one, three quarters, <laughs> half, one quarter. You know, I'm trying to, like, get it just lower. Okay, zero. I'm a winner. Yay. And that's what happens. Maybe you guys obviously don't do that. But I, I enjoy it. Keeps me going. But believe it or not, this actually helps me. These kind of things in my life, as I said, little deadlines. Get it done by this time. Because in school, you had someone set deadlines for you. But in real life, a lot of times those deadlines aren't set. So you have to say, I want to set a deadline for myself. And by the way, believe it or not, lists still work for me. I know it's old school. But I write a list out of things that I need to get done at the beginning of the day. And then I enjoy checking those things off by the end of my day. Sometimes I'll start the day by getting some things done. And when I write my list out, I'll add the things that I've already gotten done. So just so I can check them off and feel good about the things that I've already accomplished that day. I think I don't have any therapy, um, but it's, it's the truth. Zig Ziglar said, you know the most effective day we have at work? It's the day before we go on vacation. Think about that. The day before you go on vacation, you're the most effective you'll ever be. Why? Because you write out a list and you prioritize that list and you're checking that off. You're delegating because you know there's people that have to do tasks that you would normally do. You're, i got to get the laundry done and i got to make sure the dogs are taken care of. And i got to go get go to the bank and at work i got to make sure everything's all taken care of. i got to pay these bills. And by the end of the day, you feel so fulfilled and ready. And he just asked, what if we lived every day of our lives with that level of effectiveness? What if we live every day as if we are that effective to say, wow, look how much we got accomplished because we just checked it off. Now, I've also learned if you have something unpleasant to do, put it at the top of the list. If you have an employee to lay off or a disgruntled customer to call or a tedious chore to perform, if you, if you put that off, 
You'll be thinking about that all day. It'll be a heavy burden on you all day long. It'll make you ineffective. So do that bad thing first. One, one, one little kid one time said, if you have to eat a frog, you just don't want to look at that sucker too long. And that's just a good principle. Say, I want to make sure I'm taking care of those bad things first, then you'll have more time. Number three, establish a consistent balanced schedule. Ecclesiastes 4, 5, and 6 says the fool folds his hands and ruins himself. In other words, he doesn't do anything. He doesn't have a schedule. He doesn't perform. There has to be a rhythm to life or we get out of balance. There has to be a work, rest, work, renewal kind of balance. And you can even schedule for that if you want. But if you don't set your schedule, somebody else is going to set it for you. So you got to plan your time. Get a rhythm in your life. Set that schedule in your life. And it's so easy to procrastinate if you don't have some type of a balance and a schedule in your life. And then lastly, take advantage of idle moments and recognize opportune moments. Ephesians 5 says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise. Make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Be, take advantage of idle moments and recognize opportune moments. We all have several moments a day where we do nothing. And we need to take advantage of those moments. I heard of a guy who memorized hundreds of scriptures while he was sitting at traffic lights. He had a verse to memorize on his dashboard. And while he was sitting at that light, he would memorize that scripture. Those of you who come home 741 going this way from uh, Kings Island and Kroger area, I think that's so busy at about 5 o'clock. If you just memorize scripture, you might memorize the whole New Testament in about three months if you just were on that trek of road. Kenneth Taylor paraphrased most of the Bible into the Living Bible while riding on a train from Moody Bible Institute to Wheaton College every day. The challenge for many of us is that when we have idle time, the first thing that we go to is rather than making it productive, we go right to social media, which is a bit ironic. We see the successes of other people all the while missing making memories of our own. So take advantage of idle opportunities and recognize opportune moments. We have to be perceptive about the special times when they arise in our lives. I have told our kids several times, because you don't want to, I'm not forcing them to go with me to do something, but many times as they were growing up, I would say, hey, would you like to go do this with me or go run this errand with me? And sometimes it'd be a yes, sometimes it'd be a no. And if it was a no, sometimes I would say, hey, be sure to take advantage of the opportunities when they come. Why, why do I say that? Because there may be some good moments, some teachable moments, some, some relationship building that would have happened on the road that maybe the destination isn't, isn't exciting, but maybe the journey is exciting. And so take advantage of those opportunities. There are special opportune seasons that come around if we're alert to them. Opportunities to invest in a relationship. Maybe that'll come up only once in a while. Special times with your children or your elderly parents that slip by if you're not alert. Sometimes we're so busy with the task that we forget about the priorities. I, I'm more motivated by people than I am by tasks. Some of you are more motivated by tasks than you are by people. Both have to work together. But don't miss the opportunities. There are moments in church we look back later and say, well, that was a special time. I, I wish we'd appreciated that more. There are times when God speaks to you and you have to be alert. Jesus asked a man to follow him, and the man said, I need to go bury my father first. I'm going to wait for him to die first. And Jesus said, let the, bed dead, let the dead bury their own dead. I'm not going to be around here very long, Jesus said. In other words, 
He wasn't being um, crass. He knew that God was just making an excuse. He said, so come along with me now. You're going to miss an opportunity. When Mary and Martha were there with Jesus, Martha was attending to all the tasks. Mary was doing what was better. She was at the feet of Jesus, recognizing that her time with him was short. The task is important. So is the relationship. Be careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Most of the time, procrastination is not a sin. Um, It's just not helpful. But there are times when it can rise to the level of a transgression. James 4, 17 says, Anyone who then knows the good that he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. And that's especially true when it comes to your spiritual life, where you're putting off something that you know you need to do, the good you need to do, and yet you don't do it. When a father says that, I'm going to start taking my church next year, or when a child says, I'm going to start obeying my father and not being so disrespectful later on, or when a troubled wife says, I'm going to go to Garrett marriage counseling sometime, it can be a transgression against God's will. Sometimes God calls you to stop things that you're doing or start something that you need to do. Be alert to those moments. Luke chapter 19, there's a story in which Jesus was passing through Jericho. I think Josh referred to this recently. It was a story of Zacchaeus where Zacchaeus wasn't a good man. He was a tax collector and a dishonest businessman. If you grew up in Sunday school, you know that Zacchaeus was also a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He couldn't see because of the crowd, so he climbed up in a tree, and he wanted to see Jesus. And the Bible says, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up to him and said, Zacchaeus, and listen to Jesus' words, at once, at once, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Jesus is not a procrastinator, amen? Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And I love that part of the story because I love the urgency in Jesus' words come down immediately. Jesus was saying, Zacchaeus, don't wait. Take advantage of the opportunity. Don't put this off. Don't procrastinate. Something important is going to happen here. So how did Zacchaeus respond? Lord, my house is a mess. You, I don't want any guests over there today. Have you seen my kitchen lately? Zacchaeus, he, man, I'm not ready, God. I don't have any party favors on hand. This place is a mess. It's the maid's day off. Can we do this a week from Friday? Let me get my calendar out real quick, my Google calendar. I want to make sure I get this thing in order before you ever come in. No. He said he came down at once, at once, and welcomed him gladly. He invited Jesus into his home. And what happened? That spur-of-the-moment meeting led to a life change for Zacchaeus. He said, Jesus, I want to start doing things right. I'm going to give half my money to the poor, and I'll pay four times the amount of, anyone, of, of anything that I've cheated. And Jesus said, today, salvation has come to this house. Today. Not tomorrow. Jesus is not procrastinating. Salvation came today. Because Zacchaeus responded to Jesus' invitation. He did not wait. He might not have felt compelled or prepared to, to have the king of kings enter his home, but he didn't wait, and his life changed as a result. And there are some of you, when it comes to big spiritual decisions, you say, I'm going to make that decision someday, but right now I'm not going to make it. Why? Well, my house isn't ready. My house isn't in order. I've had a lot of people over the years say, I don't want to be baptized yet because i got to be perfect. I said, well, when you were born as a baby, did you know everything you needed to know to live life? They said, no. I mean, did your dad throw you 20 bucks in the car keys and say, hey, good luck to you? No, your dad helped raise you, helped lead you. And so we can't expect somebody who's new in faith, 
God doesn't expect you to be perfect. It's just a beginning. It's a new birth. And so you want to come and just say, God, I may not be perfect. My house may not be in order. In fact, it's quite a mess. The mate of my spiritual life is taking us a few months off right now. But God, I'm ready. Why don't you come on in? And the Bible says today is the day of salvation. And it came today because Zacchaeus responded. It said that Satan once called his demon assistants to him and said that he would send one of them to bring about destruction to humanity. And he called together volunteers and he said, who wants to go? And one of them said, I'll go. And Satan said, if I send you, what will you tell humans to ensure their destruction? He said, I'll tell them there's no heaven. And Satan said, they won't believe you, it won't work. And then he asked, who else wants to go? And another came forward to volunteer. Satan said, if I send you, what will you tell humans to ensure their destruction? And the demon said, I will tell them there's no hell. And Satan looked at him and said, they'll never believe that, it won't work. And finally, a third came forward to volunteer. And Satan said to him, if I send you, what will you say to women and men to to lead to their destruction? And the creature said, I'll tell them there is no hurry. Well, Satan probably won't tell you that there's not a heaven, and he probably won't tell you there's not a hell, but he will tell you there's not a hurry. He will tell you, you can wait, you can delay, you, you can wait and put it off. You can procrastinate every spiritual decision, whether it be reading scripture or getting involved in groups or whether it be getting, being baptized or whether it be confessing your faith in Christ or repenting. He'll tell you always, hey, don't worry about it. Wait another day. God's patient. He's forgiving. Just wait. There's no hurry. And guys, the thing that stands between you and the life that you were meant to live is the idea that you can begin tomorrow. That applies to your health, your finances, your professional life. It applies to your family life, and most importantly, it applies to your spiritual life. If you want to live life at maximum momentum, you have to begin today. You have to begin today. Three or four weeks ago when I was preaching here, um, I gave a message on really making some big decisions in your life. And, and I went through a list of things that day. Uh, things like maybe God's calling some of you today as you're finding your purpose. Maybe God's calling you to adopt a child or maybe God's calling you to foster a child or maybe God's calling you to get involved in some ministry in some capacity, a way that you've been pushing it off. Or maybe God's calling you to homeschool. And one of our ladies here at church came to me the other day and she said, you know, I've been thinking about for several years now that I need to homeschool our child. And I kept putting it off and I wasn't sure, and I was afraid. And she said, but during that message, when you said that, she said, something happened. It just clicked in me. Yeah, that's what I need to do. And she said, so you just kept preaching, and I just started praying. She said, when I started praying, I said, God, what do you want me to do? Just confirm this in my life. And she said, just as I started praying that, and just as I said, she said, literally, the same, same, when I said, God, what do you want me to do? She said, you said out loud again, you should homeschool. Um, your child and she said it blew me away and it just confirmed to me and the moment we made that decision to homeschool I felt so much at peace I knew it was the right thing to do and this is what I told her I said here's what you may not realize but that list of things that I said that day not any of that was in my notes I just said those things just because I felt like that was the right thing to say that day and she said God used that moment in my life and here's what I'm saying God is trying to speak to you today There's something in your life that God wants you to do or stop doing. There's something in your life right now that you've been putting off. A goal that you have, 
a dream that you have, a desire that you have that God's calling you to do, and you need to take the first step. Don't worry about the perfect opportunity or the perfect step. You just start today, whatever that thing is that God's asking you to do. Or if there's something in your life you need to stop doing, then make sure today you acknowledge that and you stop today. Say, God, I want to make that step right now. This is a place of commitment, and it's a moment and opportunity and time to make those decisions. We call it an invitation time. We always sing kind of a worship song at the end. The worship song is a worship song, but it's also an opportunity for you to make commitments in your heart and your life and to say, God, I want to be more like you. So let me take that step today. God, we just thank you so much for your word that is practical and applies to our life. And God, I pray that if there are things that we're putting off, that, Lord, you would help us to simply say, I want to start today. I want to begin today. I have a goal or a dream, God, and would you just allow that dream to take root in my life? And God, we pray for that, and we thank you, and we look forward to what's going to happen in the days and weeks ahead. And we ask this in your name.